Welcome to Modern Babylon, Cultural Contrarian. This is Ryan. Um, apologize for the delay in me having been not, not doing a broadcast for some time. A lot of things have transpired in the past couple of weeks, and it's given me an opportunity to kind of reflect and, and pause. Uh, I've been married for 32 wonderful years. My wife and I are split apart. Uh, God put us together for his purposes and his design. And when I was courting my wife, and that's truly what it was, I was courting her, I wanted to make sure that we had a similar foundation worldview of morals, ethics, and values. And we absolutely did. We were united, and we have invested in our relationship over the decades. And one thing that I am very, very thankful for is the, the upbringing that my parents afforded me in training me up to be the man that I desire to be. And I, I fall short, frequently I fall short, but my, my objective standard is incredibly high and I am to love, cherish, submit to the authority and obey and, and also lead our family as a patriarch. And I was, as I was uh, building up the courage to marry my wife, I went to my father-in-law and respectfully took him out for dinner and had a conversation with him. Then I asked for his blessing to take his daughter's hand in marriage. And that there's a funny story behind that. But when that pinnacle moment had occurred in public, when we, when we memorialized according to this state, but more importantly before God, our covenant is commitment to our marriage. Um, it was an incredible, incredible moment. I'll never forget the day my, walked, my wife walked through, broke through the threshold of the, the cathedral where we got married. And the beauty that just overcame me in the spirit that I was going to have as my bride. But as the years move forward, I, I um, expanded my visitation to my in-laws and grown, grown fond to them with all their quirkiness and accepting my work. The past couple of weeks, um, my father-in-law, 90 years old, had an accident, wound up getting taken to the hospital, and his body began a rapid process of shutting down and it was it was an exhausting period of time for our family because my in-laws are up in Rhode Island and we were down in Pennsylvania and my daughter wanted to have as much time visible with my father-in-law my wife needed to stay with my father-in-law and we had to tend to things back at, back at home so the past couple of weeks were filled with a, a lot of commuting back and forth between Pennsylvania and Rhode Island for myself my daughter and my wife stayed stationary as my father-in-law was declining. And I felt called to serve my wife, to serve my daughter, to serve my mother-in-law and other family members. And my in-law's family is quite large up in Rhode Island. Um, they come from a background of, of Portuguese and Italian, and the Portuguese side of the family is absolutely gigantic. And I spent a tremendous amount of 
time and commitment in honoring my wife and loving upon her and loving upon my mother-in-law. My father-in-law passed. He peacefully was felt no pain and, and he passed. But prior to his passing, <clears throat> we <clears throat> spent time beside his bedside and spent time reading scripture to him and praying over him and doing things in the presence of my wife and my daughter. And we, this past weekend, <clears throat> we were doing the preparation for that ceremony, uh, being with my mother-in-law and the funeral arrangements and the flowers and, and all the procedures for interning in a loved one. And one of the things that I come from a different background, different worldview, and I, I don't know, I have a, a sense of honor and commitment to, to family. Um, but as we were talking to the priest for the ceremony, we had, we had already selected our Old Testament reading and our New Testament reading. And I had been asked to, to do the Old Testament reading, which I was honored to do. But the, the priest said, is anyone going to eulogize him? And I'm standing in the background hearing this. And um, my mother-in-law was kind of in a precarious spot. My father-in-law was not an active parishioner at this Catholic church. Uh, the priest did not have any personal knowledge of my father-in-law, so anything that he would have to eulogize about would have to be what he could redact from a obituary or some kind of interview process. So I was thinking the most appropriate person to, to do the eulogy would be my wife or my brother-in-law. And I was thinking the son being the oldest, that would be something that he would take on. And he didn't volunteer. So I pulled my wife off to the side and I said, Honey, um, I understand that nobody's volunteering to do the eulogy. And I shared that I thought it, that Papa, was how I referred to him, uh, would benefit from somebody sharing elements of his life experience to memorialize him in front of all of his friends and family. And I said, I don't want to insert myself in this at all, but I'd be pleased if, if it would be of help to, to eulogize your dad. And she shared that with my mother-in-law and she offered it to my brother-in-law and he said, no, we can let the priest do it. Not, not much of a thing. And and my mother-in-law said, well, if you, if you don't want to do it, I, do you mind if I ask Ryan to do it? And he's like, no, whatever. Kind of the, I, I'm, I'm not saying that exactly because I'm not sure how he responded, but the, that he didn't take that responsibility, I harbor no animus for it. Um, it was something that I was willing to do and I put myself available to do that. So my mother-in-law accepted that that I would be honored to do that. And I took the time to prepare that this the priest would allow three to five minutes and I took a little bit more than five minutes. But I prepared some words from my father's background and, and I wanted to share some of my father-in-law's past, some of the things that he enjoyed as a young one, some of the things that I learned after 32 years of marriage and visiting with them the relationship that he had with my daughter, my wife, his son, and his extended family. Not only his biological one, but the one that he married into the my mother-in-law's side of the family. Because they truly embraced him.
So I did that eulogy, and then after that, we do the funeral services. And, and I, I did what my parents raised me to do, is to love and cherish my wife. And in that moment of grief, in the moment of healing, and the connection with family, all of the tertiary, the sideline type of things that needed to get done, I was just in the background getting them done. Not seeking attention, kind of doing it under the radar, just doing it. Not, not wanting to be visible to detract from where, where this process was going. And I think I did that quite successfully. But one thing is, with me, um, some people knew this, that prior to going up there, I had some health challenges. And I was torn. I was really torn that um, I did not want to put another burden on my wife, and I didn't want to put a burden on my daughter or anybody, and that I had some things that needed to get done, but unfortunately the timing was such that I couldn't get them done. And selfishly, um, I put myself in a secondary position in the hopes of serving my wife and daughter and my family in a primary position. And that has consequences. Um, the consequences were that I was really worn down, but I could not give the appearance of being worn down. Um, I was very uncomfortable in many settings and I just had to power through that. So fortunately, um, after all of these ceremonies got wrapped up, and this has been a couple of weeks for me, I was able to come home, came home with my daughter, made a six and a half hour drive back, and that she was going to spend some time with her boyfriend and then head down and visit with her boyfriend down in Maryland. And this was a prime opportunity for me to care for me. And I didn't, I didn't do it with, kind of didn't let anybody know what was going on. Uh, I just did what I needed to do, made my appointments. Uh, I just got back from one of them just a little while ago. I have another one this afternoon uh, to get myself back in a position of strength and healing. And uh, to say it's hard is, is an understatement because I have to really focus on myself right now and love my wife remotely while she's still tending to my mother-in-law, but I need to take care of myself right now as, as to the best of my ability. I don't need to be taken care of. I am mobile enough that I can do the things that I need to do in the time that needs to be done. And fortunately for me, on Saturday, I was able to get things done for my health. And today, I have this morning and this afternoon. And I'm praying that um, these things will have the rehabilitative results that I hope for and desire. And then I can get back some of the things that have uh, been weighing me down. But as I have been broadcasting about rights and freedom and constitutionality, those were part of the conversations that I was having the past couple of weeks and seeing some of the comments happening in my private group and, and 
the, the necessity to move my, my lawsuit forward. I did not have the energy to work on that at all. I, I just didn't have it. So I'm, I'm anxious to get back on that course. Uh, what's happened with Pensbury versus Amuso and all of the documents back and forth and the settlement negotiations regarding that case is really, really powerful for what's going on with my case. And it, it, this is amazing. It's almost like divine that my ability to dive through those documents, I can modify my case to circumvent the objections that are certain to come forward and that if I can address those objections up front, just provides me more strength and solidity and foundation on moving forward. Now again, my case is not about a money grab at all. My case is about justice, the hope of justice, that my constitutional rights have been violated by so many people and they can get away with this because no citizen is a prayer, prepared or equipped to know how to hold them accountable. And do I have a hope or faith or trust in the system? Well, it's the best system that we have. As broken it is, as it is, it's the best one that's on the, on the planet. Now, do I expect them to respond in my favor? Well, according to the law, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. And what would be the justice from that? I have no idea. Could it be monetary? I have no idea. And again, I am not seeking my own justice. <clears throat> I'm bringing these criminals before our system in the hopes to see if the system is still functioning. And also as an education for the masses of people out there which are making this claim at patriotism and freedom. I'm like, no, 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 no. Liberty, freedom, are verbs require our action. It's not something that someone else can claim for you. It's something that you stand on and declare and act upon for yourself. So while this may gain visibility, how people will act on it is not a high predictable, pre predictable um, positive outcome for the masses. I, I don't anticipate that. Is what I see that's happening inside of our public education system and the disconnect between those that are tapping those resources for their children and their family to be educated through our state, but the unions, the school boards, the administration, the, the state, the Department of Education is so indoctrinated and financially leveraged that what is being spit out through those indoctrination camps is absolutely horrible. And unfortunately, there is no viable solution other than pulling your children out and making a financial investment into some other education system and getting credit or getting something back from the taxpayers for that. Our system of education is horrible. It is horrible. Now, all the words that are coming out of the educators' mouths, I don't want to discredit those words coming out of them because I believe there's a degree of intentionality and passion and conviction about their intentionality, their intentions of being an educator. 
I believe their heart's in the right direction. However, because of that pension and the, per, the um, promotion, that paycheck, they're going to bow to the authority so they can get that tenure and they can get that promotion and the pensions and the health care. They're packaged. They're, they're, they're packaged. They're going to acquiesce to things that they know that they shouldn't be doing in order to provide personal security. So I don't fault them for that. I think that's part of the human condition that I did a video the other day where I was standing in front of um, Eastern headquarters of Pfizer and Dow Chemical and I was just standing there saying, look at all these people that are inside these cubes of this building here. And they're responsible for participating in a, in a mechanism that in my opinion is poisoning people. But the, they themselves are not obligated to be poisoned. And that they are securing their, their financial stability by getting that paycheck, by getting that promotion and submitting to the authority of their leadership and performing their job. And they're obedient. Now who knows whether their conscience is conflicted with what they're doing. I have no idea. But their actions demonstrate that their conscience is not, not that convicted. While the teacher may profess an objection to what's happening with administration and school boards and, and the Department of Education, they're not outraged enough that they're going to seek another career because it's comfortable to the degree in which someone would, would define comfort. So as I was away for a number of weeks and watching what's happening in the media and, and seeing this deluge of comments happening on social media platforms and on Twitter and occasional videos popping up, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm going, yeah, all you do people are doing is complaining. And sure, you have a lot to complain about. But what are you doing? I want to have enough evidence that my complaints are overshadowed by my actions on what am I doing trying to rectify those things that I'm complaining about. Because if I'm not doing anything about it and I'm just typing about it, I'm part of the problem. I'm just sowing this anxiety and division, but I'm not moving to correct. So I want to be guilty as charged, based upon the evidence I leave behind, of trying to do something to fix it. And will I be successful? I have no idea. But lack of doing anything, I have no hope of having or hoping, predicting success. Can't do it. So as I, I'm going to wrap this up, I, I just want to say I'm still here. I'm around. I'm fighting hard. I, I want to continue on this journey need to recuperate a little bit and I want to get back into fighting this fight and getting my documents together to get that lawsuit in and um, I'm danger close but after seeing what's happened with Pensbury and uh, Amuso I'm excited to dive through the, those documents and incorporate them into my lawsuit 
And for those people that are in the Octorera School District and the Octorera School Board and those inside of uh, the Chester County that may be trolling this, this channel, I, I've given you every opportunity to right your wrongs. And you've, you've just let that fall on deaf ears. That's, that's okay. We'll let, we'll let the legal proceedings go the way they need to go. And we'll let you sit before the judge. Maybe we'll get you into depositions. And let you make a determination whether you want to perjure yourself or not. I, I have no ability to <clears throat> just suggest that yeah, perjury wouldn't be a good thing to do. Slander and defamation libel would not be good things to do. So get down on your knees, Octorera School Board. Repent. Because you surely have demonstrated you have <clears throat> no fear of God. You don't have fear of his authority and justice which he'll administer. I'm saying stop doing it, man. Your name needs to be in that book. Repent. I'm willing to extend grace. And mercy have done it repeatedly. But it's just something that these people are, are so enmeshed in their hubris that they can't grab a hold of that. Alright, very good. Put that in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. This is Modern Babylon, Culture Contrarian. Have a blessed day.